It's good to see you. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Man, a beautiful day, and it is, I enjoy being at the door. I miss some of you. I just didn't get to the door as early, but uh, I didn't get to greet everybody, but I enjoy that part of just being able to welcome you all. Um, We are in the final piece of that armor of God we've been working for. Armor up means put it on, right? And that's that's, uh, been Paul's statement, put on the full armor of God. And so today we are, we are in investing in that last piece that, it, that is to be picked up, that's, that's to be uh, carried with us as believers in Jesus Christ. And so I thought today um, I wanted to just go back to that passage, Ephesians chapter 6, and I, I'm just going to read the whole passage, beginning verse uh, 10 and, and through verse 17. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open to that. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on that full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in... uh, uh, in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up that shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, this is verse 17, take the helmet of salvation which we covered last week and then this Sunday, and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. So we are talking about the sword of spirit uh, to conclude uh, this, this series. Well, actually, next week we're going to conclude because there's uh, a conjunction or, or an and at the end of all this. And I think there, we need to add some other things to this. So we're going to move on in this Ephesians 6. But this is the final piece of the armor, and it is the sword of the spirit. The sword, uh, I, I think about it, it, it's a weapon, and, and I feel almost inadequate talking about a weapon or a firearm or sword or something like that, especially when I'm, I'm preaching to an audience, many of you who have been soldiers, whether men or women, uh, you guys know weapons. And I know there's, there's several hunters within, within, uh, that, that are listening to me today, and, and you guys have had hunter safety courses. You know, the, probably, probably the best that I know came from Forrest Gump. When it came to firearms, uh, Forrest Gump, I re- it, it came to mind as I was, I was doing it. I thought, well, you know, it, it's that thing of being prepared, uh, knowing uh, this, this weapon that we're giving you. And so there's the one scene in Forrest Gump where he is in his barracks along with his fellow soldiers. And, and the drill sergeant is overseeing them disassembling and reassembling their firearm, Right? I, I do know this, and this is just common sense. In the Army, when they uh, give you an ar- uh, 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 your firearm, they teach you 
You have classes. You, you have training in the firearm. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay, 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 thank you, Caleb. Uh, gave me some affirmation there. Uh, and, and I do know in hunting, I, I would ask this, you know, that, that what is highly recommended, and I think even used to be, that you had to have the hunter safety course before you could own a firearm. But I don't know whether that's the way it is now. But it just makes sense that you receive training. And the reason is, is because the firearm or, or whatever you have, bow, crossbow, uh, compound bow, uh, anything like that, it is a weapon. It is lethal. It is dangerous, right? So, so I think it's unique that Paul comes along and says that this sword of the Spirit, which at the end it says, which is the Word of God. Right? Are, are you all with me on that? When we're talking about the sword of the Spirit, we are talking about the Bible. We're talking about what we have access to. And uh, I, I want to just focus our attention and talk about it today. I, I think that phrase of know your weapon is what I want to embrace this morning. Know your weapon. <laughs> Paul calls it the sword of the Spirit. Therefore, know that weapon. Know and understand what we have access to. And, and what we've been given from God. I, I want to start here that the Bible is unique and powerful. I, th I think it's important for us to understand how absolutely unique this book really is. It's unique in the fact that no other book is like this. No other book is like the Bible. Uh, think about religion. Think about a religion that has, uh, say, a, a book or or some kind of a, at its very foundation, something that they stand upon. And as I thought about that, I even went to the internet and kind of looked through different religions. And probably the, the most prominent in my thinking is the Quran. Anybody? I just, I'm curious, does anybody have one that came to your mind other than the Quran? Okay? There's, there's really not any, any other passages or texts that, that a faith or religion is built upon. Uh, than, other than the Quran. The Quran, and just to let you know, just to, before I, I, I spill out about the, the Bible, in the Quran, uh, it, it is written it's like 600 years after Christ was here in this world, and, and it was written in a 23-year period by one man, their prophet Muhammad. Okay? Now, in thinking about our Bible, the Bible that we have, the, the, the word that, that's been uh, put forth to us. This Bible is written over a 1,500, 1,500 year period. From the, from the time that Genesis was written all the way through uh, Revelation or the final book that was put together. And, and, and it was a 1,500 year that this, this was uh, written. And in it, we have the contents of 66 books. 66 books written by 40 authors. 40 authors. And amongst those authors, it, it is, I, I find it fascinating as to who wrote the book. We always think, oh, it's guys like Moses, right? And Paul. But, but consider this. Uh, it was written by kings and soldiers, uh, legislators and fishermen. We know that in the New Testament, right? Fishermen, uh, couriers, priests. Of course, we knew that. Prophets. Uh, there's a Gentile physician who is part of the New Testament. And, and definitely as we're going through this and, and, and especially focusing on uh, Ephesians, we've got to think it's also a persecutor of the church is part of those who at one time 
persecutor of the church, who, who wrote the scriptures. Ravi Zacharias. Well, uh, other, some other things about it. You know, there's, there's different languages that it's written in. It's written in Hebrew. It's written in uh, Aramaic and Greek, three different languages. Uh, also, the genre uh, of the Bible is not the, not the same context. It's not all history, but there's history there. There's poetry. There's prophecy that makes up this, this Bible. Over a 1,500-year period, 40 different authors. And, and the, the thing that's so uh, unique about it, it is a consistent thread that runs through Genesis all the way through Revelation. A consistent thread. This is God's story that we have. And, and no other book can make the claims that it has. Ravi Zacharias said, said in one of his uh, question and answer sessions and, and to a young man that talked, well, how could we be so dependent upon the scriptures? Ravi said to this young man, he said, no ancient document None, no ancient document has the kind of documentary support that the Bible has. Do we understand that there are over 5,000 documents that come together that brings us our Bible today? That, to understand, you know, I, I, I know when I was a teenager even, I wouldn't understand what that means. Being an ancient, uh, being an ancient uh, uh, book that we have that comes together is, is you know, no, no original documents exist uh, because of time and because of where and, and all that. But, but there, from, from the original came those who would write and, and spend tedious times of, uh, because there was no Xeroxes or copiers, okay, things like that, but which is a part of the interesting story of the Bible because it actually, the printing press actually came about for the purpose of printing the scriptures. And so, uh, understand this, that, that all the evidence that brings together our book today, there is no other book in history, a historical document, that has that much documentation to support it. Uh, you all know I love the scriptures. And, and to know that we have a foundation, at least we could come to this conclusion that what we have is, is a, a, a historical document that's been supported and, and we could trust and we could read. Now do we believe its contents? You know, we, do we believe the message of Jesus? Do we believe the message uh, of Paul and, and the apostles and the gospel message? That, that's the place where we come to when we come to a scripture that's solid. And so many of us here, of course, have done that. And, and I think it's important for us to know that this, this Bible we have is unique. It is powerful. If we come to the conclusion that, hey, listen, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, then we also believe uh, with this foundation that we have that this is the Word of God. It's powerful. God, God's Word is powerful, right? God's Word, I mean, in Genesis you read, He spoke the Word and things came into existence. You look at Jesus when Jesus came into this world, he, he spoke and the, 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 the threatening storm became peaceful. It, it, it just ceased. It's with his spoken word that it is powerful. And so we have access to that. And, and man, we praise God for that. Uh, and, and then Paul comes along and calls it a sword of the spirit. The, the, the identifying as a sword of the spirit is also another reason why we think, wow, that's powerful. So I want to turn and think, well, what, what does this word of God do? Thinking about it as, as the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit works on me. 
works on the one who, who wields it, who, who is knowing it, uh, you know, know your weapon, the one who is identifying with it, who is, is working on it, who's becoming familiar with it, it works on you. It has its effect on you. The greatest part of, you know, and, and one of the things I've been intentional about doing is I've going through each of these uh, pieces of the armor, I've gone into Ephesians and have looked and seen, well, what, what is Paul said earlier concerning this. It was a little easier with righteousness. It was easier with truth. But when it comes to the sword of the Spirit, Paul does not use that term anywhere else. He didn't, you know, here in chapter 6, the first time he refers to it, the sword of the Spirit. Matter of fact, I don't even think he, he refers to the Word of God. So it's a little, little more difficult to look back and see what Paul was saying. But in, the, in that looking, I went to, to the first part in chapter 1, and verses 17 and 18. Ephesians 1, verses 17 and 18. In that passage, part of the passage, Paul is laying out a prayer, a a focus that he's laying up before God saying, I want this for you. Listen to what he says. Verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of, of wisdom and revelation. He's requesting from God to give the Ephesians, the believers, a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, what for? What for? Is that there? Do you see what it is? Why, why he's given that? Uh, let me see. So that you may know him better. Well, why do we need revelation? So that you may know God better. Well, you think about it all the way through. What were the prophets doing? What was it that, that all along the way, what, what did they want you to do? They wanted you to, not, they wanted you to recognize. They wanted you to know God, and they wanted you to follow God. Why did Jesus come? Who was the greatest revealer of God? Jesus. Yeah, get that in Hebrews. Get that in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the greatest revealer of God, came into this world. Uh, you know, he sent prophets, he sent angels to identify, to bring about his word, to make sure you knew God and knew what he had to say. And that's, that's Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is also, as it says, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Man, I pray that for you. And where do we get that today? Where do we get the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, if you just pray hard enough, you sweat with your prayer, and you just, you just plead until your knees have calluses. Then that spirit is going to come down upon you. And there are some who will just tell you that. But you will not understand anything that comes from the spirit without the word of God. You see, the Holy Spirit is all about this being put together. These people didn't do anything on their own. They were directed by the very, word of, the very voice of God came through the Holy Spirit, and they put this down. So this is truly the Word of God. It came from Him. So, so for us to, to be able to, to receive the wisdom and the revelation that comes from the Father so that we might know Him better, hey, it's, it's time to pick up the Word and to invest in it, to read it, to find direction from it, and, and, and to, to find comfort from it, and, and assurance from it. This is, this is where we turn. It, it is from the Word of God. Also, in, in that next part of that verse, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which, uh, 
to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. So, so I, he also prays that your heart might be enlightened, what? For what? So that you may know the hope that you've been given. What's the hope? What, what's, what's the hope we've been given? Is it some mystery that we yet need to be revealed? You see, Paul talks about mystery in his verse, in, his, in, in this this passage to the Ephesians, and whenever he talks about mystery, it's not a, a mystery that continues to be concealed. He's talking about a mystery that has been revealed through Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, he talks about how, how that one nation, Israel, has now, through Jesus, made, uh, through, through Jesus, has made that nation available to all, that the people of God, that we all had the opportunity to become the people of God. He said, man, that was a mystery that's now revealed. And it's through the Holy Spirit, through, through the wisdom that God has given us. It's through his word that we understand these things. It's the truth. And it, all that comes to knowing him better. Probably even brings us greater clarity is to turn to a, a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. To listen to what, what he thinks about the word of God. Matter of fact, it's important to think about within the context. He's talking about a... a, a the people in the Old Testament before that. Man, they were defiant. And matter of fact, the word he used is they had hard hearts. And in that context, he comes along and says in, in, in chapter 4, verse 12, he says, for the word of God is alive and active. There it is. There it is. Again, it's powerful. Powerful for what? Sharper than any double-edged sword. Another reference to, to, to this, this sword as to be in the scriptures. Here's what it does. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Did you know that about scripture? I mean, maybe you've heard that read before. And oh man, did the people in the Old Testament need to know that, right? The hard-heartedness of those people who, who continued to defy. Well, I've had to deal, or God's had to deal with some hard-heartedness in me. Uh, even, even after I received Christ, there was some stubbornness and things that needed to be dealt with. And I will tell you that absolutely it's through his word that he does the, the slicing, the cutting open, and the revealing. Oh, for what purpose? Because, oh, there's a grand purpose of, of whatever. Well, no, I think it goes back to the grand purpose from the very beginning, and so that you may know him better. Uh, if I could tell you that the greatest pursuit that we have is to come into a relationship with God because he knows you completely, but oh man, how much do you know about him? Do you fully understand and, and put value in his holiness? Do you fully understand and, and know about this wonderful grace he's given? Or are you stumbling around thinking, oh, I'm still... If God could just forgive me, I, I just can't see that God could forgive me. How could anybody say that and know exactly the extent to which Jesus died for you upon the cross? And that he paid your debt. And that what he did was exactly what you need, uh, someone to redeem you, someone to atone for you. And that you are saved. That, I mean, that's in the word. And, and then, you know, someone like Paul comes along and says, put on that armor. Because if you fully understand and you come into that relationship with Christ and, and you have a heart that's been turned over to him, putting on that armor is a joy. 
putting on that armor and living with that armor uh, is something that we need to do. Matter of fact, uh, we need to be a people who enter into a disciplined life of training in the Word of God. How, how many of you love to hear the discipline and, and, and training? You know what it is to do physical, right? To be physical. I mean, you know, you drive around town and you see people, and, and if you're not a runner, you're looking at them and you're thinking, they are crazy, right? They're, they're people who run, and why are they doing that? For, for physical fitness, right? And, and some others, you know, man, it's treadmills, or I got a couple crazy guys in the office here that go to something called Lion Chasers every week, and they're getting other guys to do it, and working out, and, and, and people who do just, just various things for physical training. There, there, there ought to be this spiritual training, spiritual training. And we ought to be, and, and we can't say, well, what are you doing for your spiritual training? Well, every, uh, every Sunday, I spend about 30 minutes listening to Ronnie as he tells me about the scriptures. You're weak. <laughs> You're going to be out of shape. I would love to say, man, I could, I could fill 30 minutes and just empower you. Woo! Ronnie Roberts is something else. No. And even sitting down and reading the Bible for 30 minutes. No. One, one, once in a week. Man, man, you know that, that the physical training, it's, it's something every day, right? That's the valuable kind of training. I, I encourage you that if you have yet to set time a day to spend in the Word of God, you're weak. If, if you're not doing that, pursue the strength that comes from reading the Scriptures. Is it easy? No. No. I, I, I'll admit it. I, Matthew mentioned this, but I, but I started jumping rope this year because that's my form. I hate running, but man, when I was younger, I used to jump rope. And now, now every day I jump rope. And when I get up in the morning, I am dragging my feet because I hate it. I hate it. I really do. I don't like it at all. And I jump rope until I'm, I'm man, I'm breathing heavy and, and everything else. But, but by the time I'm done, man, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I, I tell my wife, yeah, I jumped this morning. <laughs> I don't think that's the approach of Scripture. Some of us, I mean, that might be at the beginning. Discipline sometimes, some of the things of discipline is not easy to do. So I, I would encourage you to just, just, man, pick it up. And, 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 and make it a part of discipline. Make it a part of something that you need to do every day. Uh, here's, here's just a couple of thoughts. You know, uh, when I began reading through the Bible in a year, I picked up a, a, the method of find out, well, how many pages do I have in the Scripture I'll be reading through? You know, it's, a, it's a 1,108 eight pages. Okay, I, so I divide that by uh, 365. That's, that's a year, of course. And, and, oh, for me it was like three or four pages. So I begin in Genesis, I read three or four pages, three or four pages, and I get through the, the, the Bible. And I've done that a few times. And, and so, but uh, it's our, our Tuesday morning men's group. We decided we've been reading, I don't know how many books we've read through. We've read through lots of books. And, and we have read through particular Bible books together. And we have enjoyed that. Finally, someone had the bright idea, why don't we read through the Bible? Boom, what a great idea, you know? So, so two things from that that I would like to just encourage you with. Number one, uh, if you've never done it chronologically, there is a chronological method you could read through the scriptures. I've, I, I don't know why I've never done that before. I thought, well, I always piece it together. I've, I've never worried about it. But the guys want to do chronological. I've loved it. 
I've loved it. It's, it's just been a different method. When I say chronological, you know, there's history and, and all the books together. It, it, it actually brings it together in, an, in a timely order, a chronological order. And so I encourage you to maybe to do that. The other encouragement is this. Do it together. Do it together in a group. I don't know, two of you or, or even a group get together. I mean, guys get together for working out in the morning. You, you ought to be able to find maybe one time in a week where you can get together like we do Tuesday. I love Tuesday mornings when we sit down and we have some great questions asked. Well, what about this? And it's caused each of us, each of us to do some searching and thinking. And that's been good. And, and so I encourage you, those, those two areas about reading through the Scripture, uh, and, and again, there's different forms of physical workout. I think there's different ways that, that we get into reading the Word. There's a couple men I know that, that have listened to. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the Bible app, I, I know some, some guys who, as they're reading through, they actually listen to the guy with the great voice read through the Scriptures. And, and they get the names right. You know, those Old Testament names, they get the names right and they're practiced. And you listen to this, this you know, someone said, well, it's so much slower. And I said, man, yeah, but listening to it, they're able to take it in. So, so there's different ways of doing it. Different places to start. I don't recommend to everybody, if you're just not familiar with the word, starting with Genesis. And then you have to roll through Leviticus and Numbers and things like that. And all the genealogies you go through, that's not easy. Uh, but I would, I would definitely suggest to anybody, if you don't know anything about the Christian faith, start with Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? And, 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 and invest, read, uh, take up one book. If, if the size of the book scares you, take up one book. The book of Ephesians, we've just read through. Man, if you've, not, if you've never read through a book, read through the book of Ephesians. Let that be your starting place. And then continue on. Move from there. Uh, invest yourself in the Word of God. I, I would recommend you have a, a, a pad, paper next to you, because as you go through there, you say, what is this? And write the question down. And look for answers. Look, look for understanding. Uh, if you get hung up in something, you don't have to, to move on unless you're reading through the Bible in a year. Just take the time to, to invest and understand what that means, what that, what that picks up. One other thing I want to say, uh, you know, I know the 30 minutes with me in the morning, I enjoy that, I love that, and, and, and hopefully that's encouraging and, and, and challenging for you to pick it up and read it during the week. And I know there's so many other guys you can listen to, or, or ladies you can listen to even on YouTube and listen to sermons in the week. May that not be your only scripture as well. I, I really believe that you ought to be strengthened so you can know, because there are a lot of people who misuse his scripture. Absolutely miss whether they're doing it on purpose or that they are just not good at discerning the scriptures. You need to be careful who you're listening to. So what we desire for, the, for you all is that you come to know the scripture. You know how to handle the scripture so that you're able to discern when scripture is being handled poorly. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. I want you to listen to other. There's great preachers out there who are doing great jobs. There's also amongst them those that you are going to be misled by if you listen to them. Those who are abusing the Word of God. That's possible. So, the sword of the Spirit is going to affect me. It's, I can't pick it up. I can't go through training and, not, and it not have it. That the Word of God not having its effect upon me. 
opening me up and changing me. Keep that in mind. But finally, I want to go to this as well because we think about it as, a, as man, this is offense. This is offense. You're picking up a sword. And, and I want you to know that God's word, I believe, disables the devil. It, it, it is that defense. It is that aggressive move against Satan it, it is in this world. Because as we think about it, this word of God needs, other people need to hear the word of God, need to hear the truth as well, in order for them to come to a, the, the wisdom and the revelation of who Jesus is, the, the, the understanding of the salvation that's available to them. And, and as soldiers and all those who suit up, you know that's part of the message. And how, how this whole armor so interlinks in every part functions so well together and I believe that's the sword of the spirit too it works absolutely with the belt of truth and that that she, that that breastplate of righteous shield of faith everything and, and the the feet fitted for the gospel of of peace every part of that works together and so does the 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 sword of the spirit remember in verse 11 here's the, talking about the sword it says together all that armor take your stand against the devil's schemes that, that we're able the deceitfulness of satan that his greatest power of all is deceitfulness he lies well how do we do that well sword of the spirit the sword of the spirit has much to do with it understanding and receiving it the best example i could give you today i think the best example i would always turn to was someone who is using the bible well in defeating satan is jesus himself are you familiar with the passage Matthew chapter 4. It's right after he was baptized. We ought to do this sometime. After someone's baptized, we ought to send you out for 40 days of, of no food and just praying and, and scripture. Some of you, no, we don't do that. No, Jesus, and I do believe it's miraculous for 40 days that he was able to survive that. Angels attended him, whatever. But at the end of 40 days of fasting, Jesus in the wilderness you know, one key thing about that is, you know, that's when Satan attacks at your weakest moments. He knows you. Weakest moment, he's coming after you. And, and that's exactly what he did with Jesus. He appears on that 40th day, and, he's, and he appears before Jesus, and what does he say? He says, hey, see those stones? Turn those into bread. Oh, that bread sounds good to a guy who hadn't eaten in 40 days. Turn those into bread. And how does Jesus respond but to turn to the scriptures out of Deuteronomy? And he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Feast on that for a while. Feast on that for the rest of your life, but feast on that for a while, right? And Jesus is confident in that. Man, this is where I get sustenance. This is where I get my strength. It is from the word of God, Deuteronomy. He came back. A, a, a second time, uh, it says that Satan took him up to the highest point of the temple, the highest point of the temple, and he quoted scripture to Jesus. Uh, out of Psalm 91, of verses 11 to 12, basically in that passage he's saying how God is going to protect. Oh, he's going to send your angels, and he's going he's to prevent you from dashing your foot against a stone. And, and so here's what Satan says. If you are the son of God, prove it. Here's the scripture, lays that boy, he's going to protect you. If you are the son of God, jump. And so Jesus responds to him again from Deuteronomy. He says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, Jesus picks up the word. 
Jesus picks, he knows the word. He picks up the word and, and answers to the temptation. And then thirdly, he takes him up on a high mountain and he looks out and now he sees all these kingdoms laid out before him. And, and Satan says to him, he said, man, if you just fall down and worship me, if you fall down and worship me, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you all these kingdoms. I'm going to give you all these kingdoms. Jesus, again, responds with the word of God, again, out of Deuteronomy. He said, away from me, Satan. That was, that's scripture now in Matthew chapter 4. But he said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I don't know, do you know the word of God to the place where you are able to take your stand against those days? And you know what I'm talking about when temptation raises his face. I tell you honestly, there was, there was a time, man, some struggles I was having, and, and Satan seemed to get a defeat on me all the time. I turned to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I don't know whether I'm going to get this all right, but it was, it's at the end of that faith chapter, uh, word, word for word. It, it is taking it, it is knowing, it is applying it. It says, uh, now since we know that we have this great cloud of witnesses, those who are watching who have gone on before, the great uh, book of faith in, in, in chapter 11, it says, now uh, uh, throw off everything, throw off everything that hinders, okay? And the sin that so easily entangles, man, I could relate to that. I, I, could, uh, I can understand what hinders. I understand what entangles. Are you with me? What entangles, what trips me up, what causes me not to run the, the race well. And, it, and then it goes on. For we all are, are you know, to, to, that we all, all should be running this race together with perseverance, the one that we've been given, that's marked out for us. And, and, and to follow our example, uh, the one... Uh, to, to keep our eyes, that's what it says, to keep our eyes fixed on, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I, I don't know how many times I've turned and embraced that and prayed it before God and said, man, I know that this, is gonna, this temptation is going to hit me because it was a daily temptation. And so I would think about, oh man, throwing off what hinders and, and, and you know, dropping what entangles me from running the race that God has called me to. Man, that was, that was a call. Man, I held on to that scripture. And there's scripture all over the place that, that you could hold on to that will strengthen you, that will enable you. Uh, even, even the scripture that goes on to how do I tell someone about Jesus? You know, but what about John 14, 6 that says, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus specifically said it about himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. He is salvation. He is salvation. Uh, so again, let me tell you, just, just to conclude, this, I, I think it's rightly identified as a sword. We think of a sword as piercing, as, as powerful to a soldier. Then it was absolutely powerful. And man, to go into battle without a sword is just dumb. It is powerful. It is what we are uh, given to take our stand on his behalf. And it is one that, that, that we could be confident in, where we could uh, be so assured of. And, and it is one that as we pick it up, it is going to have its effect on you. It's going to help us to know. And as we're growing in that relationship with him, the growing really comes as we come to know him better. And he is strengthened in me as I learn more and more about its details. 
And, and then finally, man, it is what helps us to take that stand against Satan. It is what is going to help to strengthen us to stand, and I believe even advance, taking it to others to let them know the contents of this word. I want you to love his word. I want you to love his word. I don't want you to love it Sunday mornings from, what, 1030 to 11. I want you to love his word every day. Even, even if it's just a little bit I take with me and I, I hide it in my heart and I'm re- thinking about it and dwelling on it. And, and, and when the trouble, times of trouble, there it is and it's my strength. And then it also gives me a purpose and it gives me a direction in how I'm going to live today and, and focus on today. Oh, I want you to, to love God's word. Paul says, put it on. Armor up. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for, oh Lord, all that you've given us for life and godliness. And we, we could clearly identify. It is your spirit. It is your spirit that you give to us. It is, is written in the world. And, and Lord, a combination of your spirit in our hearts and your word works in us to, to, to help us to grow and become mature. And Father, as a church, when we gather together, there is a strength for your kingdom. And a purpose that we're going to work in this community around us. So, Lord, we need your spirit. We need your word. Lord, we praise you for Jesus. For the salvation that we have in him. We ask, Lord, that you continue to strengthen us as we purpose in every day to take it up, to ingest it, to make it a part of our lives, to find the means of... of, of, how we could invest it into our lives. Lord, lead us, guide us, help us to work together in that, that we could be strengthened in your word, in that sword, in that Bible. And we praise you, Lord, for for continuing to work around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.